Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. Last week, we began this series by talking about who is the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is not a what, but who. We talked about the Trinity, the Godhead, and what that looks like. We talked about how Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit for everything he did while he was walking on this earth, and so should we. We also talked that the first work of the Holy Spirit in our life is salvation, how the Holy Spirit reveals sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if you weren't uh, able to be here, that's okay. We have everything online, so you can catch up. But today, we're going to talk about communion with the Holy Spirit. And you can put that graphic up for us just to kind of get us set. But today, I want to talk about how we can take a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that when you understand the depth of communion with the Holy Spirit, how it begins to unlock the relationship in a way maybe you've never experienced. So I want us to pray, and then we're going to jump into the word. We're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, for the next few moments we have together, Holy Spirit, I pray you empower my words, Lord, that they will not be from me, but they'll be from you, and I'm just merely a vessel. Father, I pray that they are deposited in the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl in this space and every person watching online. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness and the grace that is operated through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, let us walk in a revelation as never before in Jesus' name. Everybody say together, amen. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... And the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. It really breaks down the Father, Son, Holy Spirit relationship for us, doesn't it? That Jesus created grace, that God's love is the overarching, abounding thing, covering all. But the fellowship is with the Holy Spirit. Our fellowship on earth is with the Holy Spirit. Our connection to God is only through the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about communion. Communion is not just uh, what we do when we partake of Holy Communion with the cup and the bread, but we're talking about fellowship. We're talking about interaction, partnership. The word communion means all these things. But I want to break down four points today about what is communion with the Holy Spirit. When the scripture says that you have communion with the Holy Spirit, that that's the desire, we need to understand and break down what that is. So if you're ready, say, oh, yeah. yeah. So this is a teaching series, really. Um, And again, if you missed last week, I really encourage you to watch it. I want all of us, and no matter where you're at with your walk of faith, Watch and be a part of every one of these pieces of this sermon series because even if you've been saved a very long time, 
These are foundational theological truths that are always a beautiful thing. If you haven't studied them recently, that will rekindle a fire and a passion for you with and through the Holy Spirit. Can we all say amen? All right, so first up, what does communion mean? First of all, communion means fellowship. How do you have communion with the Holy Spirit? You have fellowship. Fellowship is defined as a friendly relationship or a companionship or, or just sharing together. You know, we know fellowship in the midst of friends. It's a very churchy word when I was growing up. You know, you'd have the, uh, the older pastor talk to the teenagers and they'd say, young people, go have fellowship with one another and break bread, you know? And it was like, we always thought it was funny, you know, in the 90s, you know, or like, what are you talking about, you know? But these are very churchy words. But what does fellowship really mean? Fellowship is connection. It's hanging out. It's quality time. You have fellowship with people anytime you're gathered and, ha and share meaningful conversation. Um, Terry and I, whenever we can spend time, just her and I, without our children present, which is not that often, but when it happens, it's a beautiful, unique thing because it allows her and I just to focus on each other and not be distracted with the busyness of life or the needs of our family, which all those things are good. You know, there's nothing wrong with the busyness of our life or our family, but when those distractions can go to the side and we can just have one-on-one -on -one fellowship, even her and I as a married couple, there's a different kind of connection. Any married people understand what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit Fellowship. Let's talk about this in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. It says this. This is an example of fellowship. When Paul says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I do not know what awaits me except the Holy Spirit is telling me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Now, that to us is probably not a very uh, deep, encouraging scripture, but it was the reality of where Paul was headed at that time. That, in fact, the Holy Spirit, because he had such fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit and him were communicating, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you're about to go into a pattern of suffering for the name of Christ. And he gave him a heads up so that he began to prepare his mind and his heart for it. And, in fact, there was a prophet that came shortly after this, named Agabus, and he bound his hands, and he bound his feet, and all the people freaked out. They said, oh my gosh, don't go. You know, they're all telling Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go. Now, if Paul didn't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, his emotions might have swayed his decision-making, and this is the same with prophetic words. I've heard Dr. Earl Roberts teach this and many others, and they taught me, and they said prophetic ministry should be 90% of the time confirmational. Only a rare 10% of the time should it truly be directional. So all the people in the word at that moment took the word from Agabus as a directional warning, like don't do it. But here Paul already had fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had already revealed to him this was going to happen. And this, in fact, was the will of God. And so Paul had already surrendered to that just as Jesus went to Gethsemane and surrendered that I'm going to the cross. So when Peter came and cut the guard's ear off and tried to free him, he said, get behind me, Satan, because he could recognize this is not the spirit of God leading you. This is the spirit of the flesh. And in the same way, when Paul was with all his friends and disciples and all the people that loved him the most, they said, don't go. And they're pleading. 
If he didn't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, his emotions may have led him astray. But he had fellowship and he didn't rebuke him as Jesus did. But he more or less said the same thing. He said, not only am I willing to go, but I'm willing to be bound and gagged and all for the sake of Christ. And he just said, I'm headed there because this is God's will for my life. What a powerful thing it is. But think about the opposite scenario. That if we're not in touch and in communion with the Holy Spirit, what happens is that the relationships around us may actually guide our decision making solely. And if we don't have a word from God, we're just going to look to the people we know and love and hope that they heard from God. Let me tell you, that's usually not the healthiest place for any of us as a believer to be in. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit, but you can't hear from the Holy Spirit if you're not in fellowship. You have to be in fellowship. Another example is in the book of Acts, chapter 16, 6 and 7. It says this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at this time. Then coming to the borders of uh, Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. There's two things I want to point out of the scripture and leave this scripture up if you can on the screen for a minute. Paul and Silas were going as the servants of God, right? They're being led by the Holy Spirit to preach the word to the unknown world, to the Gentile world that had never heard the gospel of Christ. But the Holy Spirit was guiding their footsteps very purposefully so that they wouldn't die prematurely. Any of us can do something foolish and die prematurely. Isn't that the truth? So even in our efforts as expect hope, before we go anywhere in this volatile world that we live in, believe me, the world is just as volatile today as it was then, if not more volatile, there's more people and more devils and a whole lot of crazy out there. We have to bathe every moment and every trip in prayer. Several times, not I, I won't say many, but there have been moments where we had a trip scheduled, booked, plane tickets done, and the Holy Spirit, we were praying, the Holy Spirit said, do not go. And we knew it was the Lord, and we canceled trips. And, you know, sometimes you do these things, you make people angry. Like, hey, you're supposed to come in three weeks. We've prepared, we've planned, we've this, we've that. So a few years ago, there was a trip to Africa we were supposed to do. And we had everything set. We were going to do a big crusade. We had all these things going. And the Holy Spirit made it so clear, do not go. So we obeyed. We pulled out. We didn't make a bunch of friends by doing that in the natural. But we obeyed the Holy Spirit. And what was wild was literally the week we would have been there, there was a terrorist group out of Nigeria that came right into the bordering country of Cameroon where we were supposed to be. And they took the president's wife captive. They began to kidnap every foreigner they could find. It was a horrific thing. And the Lord spared us and guarded our lives from it. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But if we would not have been in prayer, it would have been right in the mess of that. And it would have been unnecessary pain, struggle, or even death. God is so good. He will not allow you to do something you can't see. But the, the Lord knows. So his spirit will communicate. And that's exactly what he did for Paul and Silas. He said, go here, don't go here, go here, don't go here. Now, the second thing I want to point out we're learning about the Holy Spirit, yes? The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. I just love that translation. 
If there's confusion about what is the Holy Spirit, that sums it up right there. It's the Spirit of Jesus. That's what we're trying to get through all of our minds, get past our brain into the Spirit to understand who is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus. Sometimes people get held up. If I pray, do I pray to God the Father? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to You're good. You pray to all of them. doesn't matter. It's the same person. Three parts, but one. Three and one. So if you pray to Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is listening. Does this make sense? All right, let's dive into the next one, that communion means partnership. So not just fellowship, but communion means partnership. So partnership is defined as a companion, a partner, or a fellow worker. So when the Holy Spirit desires communion with us, he's desiring not only to have a relationship, but to be co-workers. Now, I use Terry and I as an example because we are in fellowship as a husband and wife, but we're also blessed to be co-workers in the natural, that we have done ministry every day since we got married. We got married, went on our honeymoon, came back, and literally went to work in ministry, and we've been doing it ever since. I know that's not the case for a lot of married couples, but that's been our journey. But for me, it helps understand this idea of partnership and the distinction of the role of the marriage, but we're also co-workers, co-laborers in the work of Christ. So in the same way, understand this with the Holy Spirit, that when you have communion with the Holy Spirit, you have fellowship and the relationship and the love and the, the back and forth and the communication, but you're also working together with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to, like Paul and Silas, send you out there on your own and say, good luck, figure it out. He's working with you. And in fact, there's nothing, especially with what I do in ministry, that I do without the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit isn't there, I don't want to be there. But the Holy Spirit, I pray, never leaves, and he's always with me. And so when I go to pray for somebody, my prayers don't do much without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is with me, those prayers touch heaven. Those prayers can cure the, the sick. Those prayers can bring breakthrough. Those prayers will cast out devils. Those prayers will help a brokenhearted person. Those prayers can do amazing things. I've shared the story when, when those guys broke into the van uh, in Africa, and they put guns in our face and all these things. I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a natural way. That's not who I am. I'm just there. And they were going to kill us because they knew we were Christians. And I, you know what I did? I just began to pray in the Spirit. I said a few words to them, and then I just prayed in the Spirit, my heavenly prayer language. I said, Holy Spirit, now it's your turn. You do your work. Because if this is not your will, then I need some protection right now. I mean, that's, that's what I was saying by releasing it and just praying in the Spirit. And I remember I just prayed in tongues, and that guy got so freaked out. I'll never forget, he was so full of Satan and looking at me ready to kill us. And then he just, he, I remember his head doing this, and then all of a sudden he's like, let's go. And he just took off. And I opened, my eyes were shut at that point. And I was just praying, but the Holy Spirit did the work. How many are glad that we're co-workers with the Holy Spirit? It's partnership. You can see this in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. The fishermen were out. They were having no success all day. Jesus comes up. He says, why don't you go back out there and throw your nets 
And it says this in verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking. So they signaled all their partners in the boat came in to help them. And they came, filled other boats, and they all began to sink. This was not something that happened in the natural. When Jesus said, why don't you go out there? He was teaching them a lesson. He performed a miracle for them. But who did the work? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit went out and put all those fish right there. And the Holy Spirit can work fast, y'all. I mean, the whole, where'd all those fish come from? I don't know. Holy Spirit brought them. And, man, they had so much fish, they loaded their boat down, plus they had to get help, and they couldn't even contain the harvest. How cool would it be if God blessed you so much, you literally didn't know how to contain the harvest that he poured out in your family's life? The Holy Spirit can do this. He's your co-laborer. And there was purpose to that miracle, just like there always is. In Acts chapter 13, partnership with the Holy Spirit can be seen. It says, they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. That the Holy Spirit said, separate these two out. And then the Holy Spirit said, send them here. And that means the Holy Spirit put them on an assignment. Have you ever said, God, what's my calling? What are we really saying? What's my assignment on this earth? Lord, what's my purpose? Why am I breathing right now? Why'd you put life in my body today? That's how I feel when I ask what's my calling and destiny. And God's so good that if you ask that, he will reveal it to you. We say we haven't revealed it yet. We keep asking. Ask earnestly. Pray longer. How bad do you want to know? I mean, good Lord, we'll sit on hold sometimes with these companies for an hour and two hours because we have no choice listening to God-awful hold music. And then it comes on, your call is very important to us. No, it's not. I hate you. I mean, I love you in Jesus. <laughs> but we'll give time to these things in the natural because we want something that comes on the other side of that. Well, I have to. Well, if you want to know your calling and your destiny, you might have to devote some more time. But if you are willing, the Lord responds to hungry people. We talked about that this morning. And so that's what began to take place here. And the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul. This was a response to prayer. And he sent them out. Can we all say amen? Communion with the Holy Spirit, this is number three, means close mutual association. Close mutual association. That's what communion with the Holy Spirit means. Now, let me give you some natural examples. What does mutual association mean, a wording like that? I looked it up myself trying to understand this when I was studying. And it says when you think of something and you instantly connect it to something else, that's mutual association. So one example, in my childhood, there was a basketball player named Michael Jordan. Anybody ever heard of Michael Jordan? Boy could play. But when you think of Michael Jordan, what else comes to your mind? Shoes. Chicago Bulls. Basketball, right? 
these things come to mind instantly when you think of this person. Because the reality is we don't know Michael Jordan. Well, maybe you do. If you do, I'd love to meet him, so let me know. No, but we know of him, and so when we think of him, we're thinking of the things he's associated with as a part of the identity that we recognize with him. None of us said we thought of a great investor. He probably is. We didn't think of a great husband or family man. I have no idea if he is or not. I don't know if he's a man of God or not. I don't know any of these things about Michael Jordan, but I do know. When you say Michael Jordan, I think of basketball and shoes and the Chicago Bulls. That's mutual association. I remember the first time I encountered a great person of God in my life named Marilyn Hickey. I felt God's presence and his love on her. And I remember she was she was praying and I was invited to something that she was a part of is a very small little prayer group thing. And I remember feeling the presence of God. And later I just said. Why? Wow, I just feel God's presence. She's like, yes, he's here right now. I said, amen. And then I left and I, that that presence left when I left because I left that environment. And I began to notice this not just with her, but with other great men and women of God who are really close to God, that when you get around these kind of people, you you start encountering God's presence, whether you are ready for it or not, because it doesn't have anything to do at that point necessarily with you, but it has to do with them and the presence that they're surrounded with. There's a close mutual association. Smith Wigglesworth, there's a famous story. He was a famous evangelist, healing evangelist in the uh, late 1800s, early 20th century. He was riding a train car in London, and it says that a priest from the other side of the car ran up to him and pushed his way through the crowd and dropped on his knees, said, I don't know who you are, but I feel so convicted when I'm just in your presence. And this priest began weeping. And Smith Wigglesworth began to talk to this priest. The priest had the garb on. You know, everybody knew that man was a priest. Why is he weeping at this stranger's feet? And the priest didn't know who he was. But the priest knew the presence of God instantly and began weeping at this man's feet. And the story goes that Smith began to talk with him about having a relationship with Jesus, not just the religion, and that that priest gave his heart to Jesus in a different way, a deeper way a more meaningful way. So as a follower of Christ, when we talk about having communion with the Holy Spirit, we're talking that this becomes such a part of your daily walk and talk and interactions with people that you you can't keep it a secret. Sometimes we try to keep our faith a secret, but if you really have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, you, you can't keep it a secret from anybody. It will be so evident on every part of who you are that the secret's out because you're going to be revealing him in all of your life's actions. Does anybody in here, you're not sharing it today, but does anybody in here have a pretty radical testimony? Anybody willing to just raise your hand and say, yep. So you probably know people that knew you before Christ and after Christ. And if you've had a relationship with them before and after, they should notice a difference. They should be like, man, wait. You're different. Even if it's simple with your choices. Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. They're going to be like, why? Instantly, you're going to be telling them why. Right? There's an association now. I'm not living for me like I was. 
I'm not living for the old sin that I used to live for. I'm living for Christ. And the Holy Spirit starts pouring through you. And all of a sudden, your association leaves the old man that they know you. And a new association comes on you like, that's still my friend, but he's like different now or she's different now. They won't they won't go to the bar like they used to. They won't they won't party like they used to. They won't do the things they used to. Now, the association, when they think of you is you're a different person. And whether they know it or not, if they can get a hold of the life that you've gotten a hold of, their life will be changed too. Can we all say amen? So remember, when you're walking in communion with the Holy Spirit, you're associated to him and to others in this way. The fruits of the Spirit will be evident in your life and the gifts of the Spirit. Two separate things, by the way. Fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will be in function, and the love of God will now be a part of your speech and actions. You know, I believe when God gets a hold of us, our tongue should change. Our words should change. We shouldn't be swearing every other word any longer. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. We should be taking action as a Christian. But what's so great is it automatically happens, really, as you surrender to God. Because you kind of don't want to say the things you used to say. You kind of inevitably might feel a little bad. Like, man, maybe I shouldn't say blankety blank to people if they make me mad you know like well what's the awareness what's the shift it's called the conviction of the holy spirit and the holy spirit's saying you're different now don't do that you're my creation now you're mine now live for me and so now you start walking in love now you start walking in forgiveness now you start doing things contrary to the way you used to do them you are a new creation can we all say amen all right, last one for today. Communion means intimacy. I want to read this scripture out of James chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you don't know that word enmity, it also means being an enemy of God. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy enemy of God that's very strong language but it's awesome because we want to be a friend of God therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God verse 5 do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he meaning God the father yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us he has made his spirit to dwell in you, but he's jealous over it. He's protective. He wants you. He put his spirit in you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want some of you. I always uh, use this silly analogy, but it always makes sense that on your wedding day, you don't want to get there and have your vows being said and say, I do, you know, 80% of the time. I don't think your spouse would appreciate that kind of commitment. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eighty percent. Not quite good enough. If we're going to do this, it's a hundred or nothing. And this is more or less what the scripture is saying. You, you, you can't be a friend of the world. You become an enemy of God because what you're saying is you love sin. You can't love sin and love God. They, they it's doesn't work. Because and that's why it says to illuminate this. Scripture says he earns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. 
So you can't have the spirit dwelling in you and then be living like the world and feel like I got close communion with the Holy Spirit. No, you're going to be all messed up and confused. But verse six, but he gives more grace. This is how you overcome the sin. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Everything about our walk with Christ can be encompassed in that one word, I believe, humility. That humility is the essence of surrender. That you have to humbly approach God if you want to be in fellowship with him. You, you cannot come to the truth. When you, when you begin to get revelation of the creator of our universe, the God, I mean, I mean, our minds can't even begin to fathom who he is. But through scripture, we can start little by little pulling some of it back. And we begin to get some sort of a glimpse of how great our God is. If you think you can come prideful into that presence, you're wrong. He opposes the proud. So we lay all pride aside and say, God, I'm not going to live on me and who I think I am and how great I think I am. Because all of a sudden we become God of our own lives. But God says he gives grace to the humble. So we come humbly before the Lord. We say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can't overcome this sin without you. I cannot overcome this addiction without you. I cannot overcome these thoughts without you. I cannot forgive this person without you. That's humility. Now grace comes into your life. Now you get authority. Now you have a power you didn't have. And it, guess what? It's coming through the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is in fellowship with you. He's in partnership with you. He's a close mutual association. But now you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Humility draws you very deep and close with the Holy Spirit. And that intimacy allows you to overcome every temptation, every devil that comes your way. Every war gives you victory. You can't do it on your own. Have you ever been a stubborn person? You don't have to raise your hand. Your, your spouse might nudge you. I don't know. We all have some stubbornness in us at times. But I've seen this with people with, let's say, different addictions. I've seen this at times. Maybe if you've battled whatever it is, you may have said before Christ, I'm going to beat this thing on my own. And almost every, every scenario I've ever encountered, it's impossible. It doesn't work. The thing is beating you. That's why you're addicted in the first place. Well, I'm going to beat it on my own because you're angry at it. You're mad that you're stuck with this sin. You're mad you keep falling to it. And then you get mad and through your anger, but through pride, you think, well, just because I'm mad at it means I'm going to win. You're not going to win. You don't have enough power. So that's why pride isn't going to get you any closer to your desired result. But when you give humility to Christ, say, Lord, I can't beat this. with I can't do it without you. That's humility. Lord, help me. You drop to your knees. And all of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit sweeps in. <laughs> now you got power you didn't have before. Let me take care of it. Let me pull the addiction out. Let me pull the desire out. Let me put this thing in the other place that it never should be. In fact, the Holy Spirit will give you advice. He'll say, also do this. Also remove it from, if it's a substance, remove the substance from your life. If you got a dealer, delete his number. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That we have to understand that you have to cut off the channels 
that were coming into your life for sin in the first place. The Holy Spirit, if you're truly in humility saying, Holy Spirit, please take it. The Holy Spirit says, all right, I'm, I'm stepping in. Here's what we're going to do. But you got to do what he says. And if you do that, you will find victory. And no matter what it is, whether it's a vice um, from drugs to alcohol to pornography to an addiction to adultery, doesn't matter. There is no sin too great for God. Jesus has broken the power of sin. Hallelujah. So we worship Jesus and we allow the spirit of Jesus to lead our lives and give us the victory we so long for. The Holy Spirit just wants time with you. He longs to reveal himself to you, to give you his wisdom and knowledge. Intimacy requires us to seek and to know the personality of the one we are intimate with. This understanding naturally enhances the communion and intimacy on deeper levels. If you desire to get to know the Holy Spirit, spend time with him. You do this through prayer. You do this through reading the Bible. If you want to know the Holy Spirit, read the word. We don't read the word enough. It's just I'm just going to say it. You don't read the word enough. I can tell you that right now. You just don't. And I'm not saying that in any way to put shame on anybody. What I'm trying to say is read more. You'll never regret it. You're like, man, I read the Bible too much this week. I feel like garbage. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> man, I really should have been watching Netflix. I would feel a whole lot better and spend all the time with God. You know, it's like, no. You're going to gain so much when you read the word and the Holy Spirit starts revealing himself in his presence, in his power, in his glory. And it changes the way you worship. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you approach life. And it changes the way that you deal with problems. We all got problems, don't we? You got some right now. I just know it because we are dealing with something. The Holy Spirit will give you victory. He will open doors. Some of you right now, your problem is you need doors opened. Do you know the Holy Spirit will open doors for you? He will give you favor. He will, he will allow somebody to be drawn to you in this world. And that connection might be the very thing for everything you're praying for. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, go find him. He found those fish. Why can't he find you the contacts you need or the business uh, connection you need? Whatever it might be, the relationship you need. Well, I want to be married. Pray him in. Holy Spirit, find me a spouse. Hallelujah. Make it a good one, too. So today I want us just to take a moment. And uh, Nikita, you can come up if you'd be so kind. And again, I, I preface this series with a lot of teaching, but it's good teaching. Amen. And I want us to close this moment in, in prayer. So if we could, we can just pull the lights down for a minute. And what we're going to do is we're just going to say from our heart today, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. So I want to I welcome you to this opportunity, this moment, to say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. His love is so real. It's so powerful and it's so authentic. He's available for you right now. Whatever you're going through, he cares. 
There's nothing too small or too great for him. God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much. He said, I, it's good that I go so that my spirit can come. The Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus is alive. God's alive, and he makes it known through his spirit. So we want to know God more. We need to know the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you into our lives. We invite you into our families. Maybe, maybe right now you should think where you need to invite him into. And just you can just out of your mouth say, I invite you into my life, my work, my business, my family. If it's a pride issue, maybe right now you need to say, Lord, I want all pride removed, Lord. You give grace to the humble. Lord, I want to be humble then. I want your grace. I can't live without your grace. I can't be saved without your grace. So, Lord, I want to be humble. Lord, I want to lay it on the altar for you so that I can know you more, know you intimately, know you deeper, and have communion with you. And we worship you today. And let's do that right now. Let's just take 30 seconds in quiet prayer. If you just want to worship the Lord, you can lift your hands. Or if you don't, you just sit there. However you want to do it. But just worship Him. Lord, we worship you this morning. We love you. Take control. Take control. Take control of the problems, the issues, the challenges I'm dealing with. Father, we give you glory today. We worship you this morning. Lord, I want to know you more, not less. I want to know you more. I don't want to look back and say, I remember when I really knew you back then. No, I want to know you more right now. The older I get, the more I'm cl getting closer to heaven. So, Father, I want to know you more and more and more. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop increasing in knowledge. I don't want to stop increasing in my fellowship and communion with you. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Father, we worship you today. Father, we worship you. We love you today. We love you today. Father, I pray for my sister today. Bless her. Thank you for the peace of your Holy Spirit over every situation, victory in all things. Lord, we ask that your presence take over and relieve her of the self-inflicted moments that we all deal with. Father, we just give it humbly to you today. You give grace, and I pray that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bless my sister today. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Bless my brother today. Thank you for your presence and healing on his life. God, touch them today. Lord, bless my friend today. I'm so thankful he's here.
this place today. We're hungry for more of you. We're longing for more of you. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into our world. In Jesus' name. Well, can we clap our hands and give God a good praise this morning for His awesome Holy Spirit. His awesome Holy Spirit. This week, I'm going to challenge you. I was thinking it's good and you get a lesson, right? Take some homework. Challenge yourself to have some communion with the Holy Spirit this week. Fellowship with Him. Have time to build partnership with Him, to seek Him, to allow Him to speak to you and say, here's what I want you to do. You know what's so great about the Holy Spirit? You know when you talk to people, because maybe outside of maybe a, a very close person or your spouse, you never have enough time to share everything going on in your life, right? So inevitably, no matter how much you do share, there's probably some good back and forth, but you might always feel like, well, they, they really don't know what I'm going through in its totality. So whatever advice they offer might be very limited or from a limited scope of understanding, but here's the beautiful part about the Holy Spirit. He knows everything. He knows what you're stressed about. He knows what you're really praying for. He knows what you're really seeking. And sometimes what we're seeking and how we get it are two different things. We think we know how to get it, but the Holy Spirit might be like, no, no. Just, just take your boat back out where you were. I'll handle the rest. Come on, that was some crazy advice Jesus gave him. Jesus, you don't get it, man. We've been fishing all day. We're professionals. What we do, we're fishermen. We've been fishing the spot all day. There's nothing there. And he's like, are you going to have some faith? Are you going to go try? They said, all right, let's go do it. The faith unlocked the miracle. And so whatever it is in your life today, Holy Spirit knows. He knows everything. He knows what you need whether it's personal, whether it's business, whether it's your family, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, grandchildren, relationships, aunties, uncles, whatever it is, he knows what's needed and what's, how it's going to get fixed. So when you worship him, you communion with him, and you have fellowship with him, you're allowing him to take charge and do what he does. And he will then reveal to you like he did to Paul just like he did to Barnabas and Saul, just like he did for Paul and Silas. Just all these moments we read in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit will do it for you. He'll be like, hey, you know what? Actually, don't go to this place. Go to this place. Hey, you know what? Don't, don't do this. Do this. Hey, you know what? You're actually in the middle of a struggle right now, but it's okay. You're going to walk through, and the victory is going to belong to me. That's what he did for Paul. So no matter what it is, the Holy Spirit reveals it, and great peace comes as the byproduct. Remember, he is the prince of peace, and his peace is yours today. Amen. Well, have you been blessed? Come on, let's give God one more praise this morning. And um, we're so happy and thankful you've been with us in church. Before we go, we always like to receive the tithe and offering. How many know it's good to worship God with our giving? Amen. And God's been doing so many great things. And um, every week, I just feel like something good happens. We have plenty of challenges, but we like to focus on the good. You know, Paul, he said, I'm not going to boast in myself. I'm going to boast in the Lord. 
That's a beautiful thing when you think about it. It's also hard. Talk about humility. We like to boast about ourselves. But when we boast in the Lord, it's amazing what takes place. Um, giving today, expecthopechurch.com. You can click the giving tab. We have uh, envelopes, or you can text uh, any amount to this number. We want to thank everybody also who watches online. If you're not able to be here today, thank you, and God bless you, and thank you for being supportive. You know, the ministry here is such a, a real work of faith, meaning, you know, everything we've done thus far, we, we didn't have it. We just did it by faith, and then the Lord spoke to people to support it. I mean, that's just how it's worked from day one, and, and really the older I get, that's really true God-given ministries operate this way, no matter how small or large they are. So we want to say thank you for participating in that with us, always. Because Lord knows we can't do it by ourselves. We, we learned that within the first month of Expect Hope. When I came home from Nepal and had 70-plus children that Terry and I personally committed to, it exceeded our abilities instantly. We said this vision has grown beyond our hands instantly. And we knew in the first month, Lord, please bring somebody to help carry the vision with us. By you being here today, by you participating in this church, by you sowing, by you giving, giving your time, giving your gifts, giving your resources, your money, whatever it might be, you are a part of this vision. And I always pray that you could own it like that a little bit. You're supposed to. I, I, I really appreciated Jesus and Andreas testimony today. We appreciated everybody last Sunday that, that testified about Albania. And what I think pleases Terry and I the most is we see ownership. That's, that's how it should be. That you take the mission of what we're doing at Expect Hope and say, I'm a part of this. It's not just, you know, Aaron and Terry's thing. This is my thing now. And you have the right to do that. Isn't that cool? So do it. And enjoy it. And run with it. Bear the burden of it, too. But you also bear the blessing of it. Can we all say amen? How cool is that? You know, you're joining in the work of ministry. And I think this is lost. And I want to say this candidly. This is lost right now in modern church. That the modern American, and I always say American church in really parts of the Western world. Because I don't see this a lot in the third world. I'll be quite frank. But in the, the Western world, we see it a lot that the church is so extremely consumer-minded that the mentality of I'm going to church to get what I want solely. And the church was never designed for that. The church was designed to give. The church was designed so that you would be transformed to pour out into this world. So when you're a part of the church, you're a part of an army. You're a part of a unit that's bringing good in this world and life change in this world. But if you come to church like, well, <clears throat> I'm only coming if you have X, Y, and Z program, and it has to fit my schedule, and I have to like the music well enough, and I have to like this, and everything has to be perfect. Listen, it'll never be perfect. Can we all say amen? Not everybody's going to always love the music. Amen. Not everybody's going to always love the preaching. Amen. You know, it, it's not about it has to all be perfect. It has to be about a commitment to say, God. I want to serve you, and the church is your instrument on the earth that we do this through. Hallelujah. You're the one who established the church, not any of us. You did it a long, long time ago when you looked at Peter and said, Upon this rock I'm going to build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Can we all say amen? 
And so in the consumer-minded church, even in this church, we've had people come and go pretty quick when, when we didn't have all the perfection that they desired. You know, and as a pastor, it can be a little discouraging, right? You're like, dang, I'm a failure. But the Holy Spirit had to deal with Terry and I both on this. That it really isn't about us doing something wrong. We're doing the best any of us can possibly do. But it has to do with the mindset that needs to be broken so that the power of the church can increase. Because the power of the church is in the people doing the work of the church. Can I hear amen? amen. So, so we like to sing and we like to preach and we like to gather. But the real work of the church, when you start getting your hands dirty, when you start participating, when you start serving, when you start helping build this thing with us, that's what's needed. And that's where you're going to find breakthrough in your life. It's an amazing thing. Okay, one last story. I tell so many stories. I know it's late. I remember going to Budapest, Hungary, and I was visiting this. It's the biggest church in Hungary. And they have like all these campuses, like 100,000 people between all the campuses. It's a massive church. But their main campus had 15,000 seat auditorium. And we were honored guests, so we sat in the front row. And I'll never forget the guy who greeted us at the front door shook our hand, and then another man took us, and then another person sat us. Just humble, pleasant, wonderful, nice people. And the, the host that was with us says, do you know those three people were? I said, no. He says, uh, the first guy works um, as the head of all this government over here. The second guy you met is one of the top businessmen in our city. He's a multi-millionaire, almost a billionaire. The third guy that just sat you, I'm like, oh, that humble guy? They're like, yeah, he's, he's in the running to be the next prime minister of this nation. I said, what? And he's ushering? He's seating people? See, if we would break the mindset that's all about levels and hierarchy and all this bunch of crap, excuse me, and understand it's about serving God. And see, that man got saved in that church. That man grew up in that church. And the, everything he's walked into almost become the next prime minister. He gives all credit and glory to God and being a part of that church. And he asked the pastor, he says, where can I best serve? And the pastor said, oh, I need you to help seat people. He says, I'm there. There was such humility on his life. And that guy has gone on to be one of the great leaders of this nation. But he sat me in my chair and I had no idea. How powerful is that? You're a part of something. It's not consumer-minded. It's serving-minded. Remember, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He said that. I did a midweek encouragement on it this week, so when you get it, be sure to watch. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So when the church can get this and break the, the consumer mentality, says, I've come to be served. Local church, serve me. Nope, you're missing it. You will never walk in what we read about with that mentality. But if you flip it and say, I've come to be a blessing. I've come to serve others. Even if I'm not perfect, even if I'm broken and I'm messed up and all the things I got, I still want to serve. You know what? God says, watch your life start going up and up and up. Are you in the room? Come on, let's give God a good praise for that. So... Anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but we're taking an offering. So let's pray with the offering. I want everybody to understand the power when you give. 
in our finances is one of it. It brings the blessing of God on your life. It just does. Serving brings his presence. Giving brings his presence. It brings you to intimacy with God. So, Father, we bless this offering. I thank you that, Lord, none of this is possible without faithful people saying yes to you. So, Lord, I thank you for the obedience of your children saying yes. They're serving. They're giving. They're giving of their time, giving of their resources and their money. Father, we're using it for your work. We're using it for your glory. So, Lord, we grab a hold, whether it's a device or an envelope or whatever it is, and by faith we put expectation on this offering and say, God, multiply it. Multiply it first for the church. Father, I thank you, and I declare this church shall walk in a season of abundance to fulfill the destiny that you have said it shall fulfill. We didn't create it. You've created this vision to touch this city and to touch the earth from this place. So, Father, Lord, you bring the abundance. And secondly, Father, I thank you. You're going to take care of all our needs. That, Lord, when we give and we tithe, just like uh, Jesus and Andrea testified, they said, we didn't have it, so we just kept giving. That's how you directed them, and you brought it in. Father, it's just the same principle over and over being examined and revealed to us through testimony after testimony. So, Lord, let us be tested. It tests our faith. It takes faith to give when you don't see it yet. So, Father, I thank you, though, that you always honor your word. You cannot dishonor your own word or you'd be a liar. So it's impossible for you. So you will always honor your word. So, Lord, as we give, you shall bless it and bring it back 30, 60, 100-fold, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Father, these are your words. So we receive them with joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, if you can, stand to your feet. We're going to dismiss. Thank you for being with us in church today. And, uh, hey, VBS is this week. If you're not having kids here, you're not participating, would you pray? Would you mind joining and praying for this VBS? It's going to be an awesome time for all the kids. You are dismissed, and God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for watching today, and I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to expecthopechurch.com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.